You're listening to Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. All right, welcome everyone. My name is Joe Reynolds, director of Save Coastal Wildlife Nonprofit, and you are listening to Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. And tonight's topic is all about whales along the Jersey Shore, and I'm joined tonight by my good friend, Samantha. Hi, Samantha. Hi, guys. Welcome to our show. And then we have a very special guest tonight. We have Danielle Brown. Hi, Danielle. Hi, everybody. And Daniel, why don't you give a little background about who you are and why you're here tonight? Sure. I am the lead researcher for a nonprofit organization called Gotham Whale. And I'm also a PhD candidate at Rutgers University in the Ecology and Evolution program. Okay, great. Well, welcome tonight. We're so happy that you're here joining us tonight about whales. You sound like the perfect person to talk about whales along the Jersey Shore. Yes. And so you know, whales are one of the most intelligent and inspiring group of animals known as cetaceans to call our oceans home. They are the perfect symbol of marine environment. Whales are big, brilliant creatures that reign over our planet while still remaining largely mysterious. Whales are an important part of life on Earth. Wow. Yet in 2020, the threat from commercial fishing gear and ship strikes were seen from the death or damage to a variety of juvenile whale species along the Jersey Shore. Yikes! Very sad year to be a whale in 2020. Now, we once killed whales for their body parts. We don't do that anymore, at least here in the United States of America. Um, In fact, Danielle, you lead a a very popular uh, whale watching tour out of Belmar, right? I do, yes. Jersey Shore Whale Watch, um, in collaboration with Miss Belmar Princess Cruises, um, leads whale watching tours, um, roughly from about April through November from Belmar Marina. And do you remember roughly how many whales you saw last year? Well, um, we added about 75 whales to our catalog. 
which is pretty amazing. Yay! That was 75 individual humpback whales. Um, but we did see a few other species as well. We saw minke whales, we saw some fin whales, and we did get to see a North Atlantic right whale. And how do you go about identifying these whales to know that they are different? Well, humpback whales are really special in that the underside of their tail flukes has a unique pattern. So um, every individual humpback whale has its own pattern. It's very similar to a fingerprint. And when we photograph that pattern, we're able to catalog that individual as a known whale. Can you do that with other species of whales too, like minkies or rights? Absolutely. Now, um, minky whales, right whales, and fin whales don't have those patterns on the underside of their tail flukes, but they do have patterns on their bodies. So um, it's very common to photograph the chevron pattern that fin whales have on their backs. Um, also, the, um, the North Atlantic right whales have callosities on their heads, um, and each right whale has its own callosity pattern. So when photographed um, properly or from the air, which is always the best view, um, you can identify that whale. What's a callosity? So um, callosities are these, um, they're like knobby structures on their heads and they're born with it. So um, I'm not 100% sure what they use it for, um, but it's, it's super interesting when you see it in person because everyone always thinks that it's not supposed to be there. But, um, but it's a light colored, um, almost like a barnacle-like um, material on their head. Why, hello there. So in addition to the whale watching tours out of Belmar, I know there's also some whale watching tours out of uh, Highlands. There are whale watching tours out of Cape May and Atlantic City as well, too. And all total, I've been told that uh, there's been about 300, maybe more, sightings of whales along the Jersey Shore last year in, in 2020. So that's, that's a lot of species of whales. That's, that's the humpbacks. That's the minkies. That's the finbacks, which the finback, correct me if I'm wrong, Danielle, that's the second largest whale in the world. Um, it is, and still on the endangered species list mm, as well. Yeah, very sad. I'm sorry. Here's the details. And uh, the North uh, Atlantic right whale, which is probably the most endangered whale species in the world. Aww. Yes, definitely. Um, they're estimating that there are around only 350 North Atlantic right whales left, um, possibly even less than that. Aww. So um, to even see one along the Jersey Shore is really special. Aww. Why are they called right whales? Well, um, so North Atlantic right whales were known as the right whale to hunt by commercial whalers. And this was for a few different reasons. Um, one, they have a high level of oil in their blubber. Um, their blubber is very, very thick. And um, this also means that when they were hunted or taken, as we say, um, they floated at the surface. So it made them easy to tow back to shore. Uh, and they were also distributed very close to shore, which made them even easier to hunt. Mm, that's so, interesting. Um, that, that's what gave them their name. Sounds interesting. Why are right whales northern right whales? Because there's a different species of right whales in the southern hemisphere, right? They're southern right whales? 
Correct. Um, so the North Atlantic right whale is distributed within the North Atlantic Ocean, um, and they migrate south to areas off of South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida for their breeding grounds. They don't cross the equator. So southern right whales are going to be in the southern hemisphere only. Sounds interesting. So the North Atlantic right whale, there's, there's 400 or less currently North Atlantic right whales out there today. Um, why are they so endangered? If I, if I remember correctly, they've been on the endangered species list for a very long time, but yet the population doesn't seem to really be rebounding. It's, it's always somehow stuck somewhere around 400. Maybe it gets to be 450, then it goes down, then it goes down a little bit further, then it comes up, then it goes down. I mean, it seems just to be stuck somewhere around 400. Why, why is that the case? Why are, why are right whales so endangered? Well, there are a few reasons. So um, with any large whales in the world, um, they're at risk from vessel collisions and also from entanglements in fishing gear. And um, these have both significantly reduced their populations, um, especially entanglements in the case of North Atlantic right whales. Um, and their calving interval, um, or the, the time between when they have calves, is pretty long. It's somewhere between three to five years. Um, many of the whales that um, that we're seeing that are calving this year haven't had calves in more than five years. So it's taking a very long time for the population to recover. Aww. I mean, I remember growing up along the Jersey Shore. I never got to see whales, right? I'm old. I'm like 100 years old. I've been around for a long time, and I never got to see whales along the Jersey Shore until just recently, like in the last, you know, 10 years or so, I got to see whales along the Jersey Shore, as well as other marine mammals like, you know, seals and, and dolphins and things like this. It's just really amazing. All this wildlife is coming back in part because the waters are cleaner. We have rules in place like the Endangered Species Act and like the Marine Mammal Protection Act, which protects these animals. Uh, and so all this is working together to bring these animals back. But now we're, we're getting new threats. We're not hunting whales anymore. But now we have these new threats as the whales are coming back to their old um, foraging grounds or feeding grounds, there are now new threats. One of them being um, vessel strikes and another one being also um, entanglement in fishing gear. Ugh, disgusting. So I don't know, Daniel, do you remember uh, back in October, there was a right whale, a juvenile right whale, I believe, uh, number 4680. I remember that number, 4680 who got tangled up um, in some fishing gear um, and uh, was found uh, off of uh, Seabright, not too far off of Seabright back in October. Yes, um, yes. Unfortunately, that whale um, is known to be one of the entangled right whales that they have not been able to, uh, to get to. So this animal has been badly entangled for quite a long time. Um, which could be the reason for its sighting off of Seabright outside what we know to be the timing of when right whales are here in the area. Um, but that was a really unfortunate situation. Um, you could tell in the photographs of this animal that it was really in, in terrible body condition. It, it's very, very sad to see in person. Ugh, disgusting. And then also, too, if you add to that story, his mother 
Dragon, which I'm not sure uh, where that name came from, but Dragon, uh, the number was 3180, but his mother was Dragon. Do you know why his mother was called Dragon? I don't. Yeah, I know. I, I, looked, I looked everywhere on the internet. I couldn't find out where the name Dragon came from. It's really a cool name. Um, I wish somebody would call me that. I wish my parents called me that. That'd be saying. awesome. <laughs> Feel free to refer to me as Dragon yeah. for the rest of this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Totally cool name. So his mother was called Dragon. Cool. His mother also was found entangled in fishing gear back in February of 2020 off of Nantucket. And, and a crew was sent out to try to rescue his mother, Dragon. But again, bad weather and things like that. They, they couldn't find her. And so she uh, was lost out to sea as well, too, with, with all this fishing gear and all this thing. So not only was... Uh, there was a juvenile right whale off the Jersey Shore that was tangled, but his mother earlier that year was also entangled in fishing gear off of Nantucket. And that is just so depressing, right? It's just so sad and so depressing. And I think this is the story of, of right whales in general. There was a book that came out, The North Atlantic Right Whale Disappearing Giants. Aww. Dr. Scott Krauss and others <laughs> tell the devastating story of, um, of wart. Again, another weird name for a right whale, but wart, the name wart comes from um, the wart-like features, uh, what uh, Danielle was talking about, the callosity pattern on her head. So wart is a famous mom, and as the description goes, who between 1982 and 2000 had seven calves, 13 grand calves, and six great grand calves. But, and this is really sad, unfortunately, all of her offspring, including her great grandchildren, all died. There is none of her offspring left. The first one who died was in 1982. Her first calf was a female. The last one was in 2014. Her last great grandchild, a male. No one is left now. Out of all the out of all the offspring that Wart gave birth to, they are none. They all got um, all killed either f- from different types of impact from people, um, primarily being fishing gear and, and ship strikes. And that is just so sad and so, um, you know, it, it just makes me want to cry every time I, I read these stories about northern right whales. Ugh, disgusting. Is there, a, is there like, a certain feature that, of the way that they feed that makes them more susceptible to entanglement by fishing gear? Or the way that they swim or where they swim? Well, um, they're relatively slow swimmers. Um, I think I think what's what's important to remember is that the location of where they're distributed has a lot to do with this. So um, I know Joe mentioned that there is a lobster fishery off of New Jersey, um, but by far the largest um, lobster fishery is going to be in New England and off eastern Canada. And that's where these whales feed. You know, they spend the feeding season in the Gulf of Maine and then further north in eastern Canada. So the amount of time that they spend compared to the amount of uh, lobster traps that are in these areas um, automatically makes it more dangerous for them. So then you have these animals swimming very slowly in these areas. Um, They have a tendency to roll if they do come in contact with a rope. Um, which wraps it around them. So um, it just makes it more and more difficult for them and more difficult to disentangle them. Ugh, disgusting. 
Well, the good news is um, there are a uh, quite a few organizations looking into ropeless lobster gear to hopefully um, prevent some of those entanglements. Oh my god! So let's let's talk about ship strikes too, because uh, I think this is might be something that New Jersey or the New York New Jersey area. Um, is having an impact on whales, not just on, on, on northern right whales, but also on all whale species. So the Port of New York and New Jersey is the largest uh, port here along the East Coast. There are you know, more than 15, 20, 30 ships coming and going every single day, large tanker ships, commercial ships, industrial ships coming in and out of that port every single day. And back in June of 2020, I think it was late June, there was another right whale Again, the most endangered whale species in the world. There was another whale, another right whale, I believe was again a juvenile right whale, uh, found a couple miles, maybe four miles off of Elberon, New Jersey. But I think it was first seen really off of Mammoth Beach and then it floated down to Elberon. Oh my God. Propeller marks on the whale, um, several propeller marks on the whale, where clearly it got um, uh, killed by being too close to ships, or maybe the ship was too close to the whale. Yes, um, so that was a very young whale. It was actually still, um, it was a calf. Uh, I believe it was about eight months old. And um, that animal had not only been hit by a vessel once, but it looked like multiple, multiple injuries um, from vessels which just shows you how in just eight months of their life, how many times they could encounter a vessel. Um, really, really a terrible situation. Um, we, we don't know for sure um, where that calf's mother, mother is or mother was. Um, we don't really know what the events were leading up to it being in the New Jersey area. But, um, but in either case, it was, it was very sad. Ugh, disgusting. And it's not the only whale that gets, uh, I mean, we're talking about right whales, but there's other whale species that get uh, damaged um, and die from human impacts. Um, I mean, there was early on in the season in, in 2020 in June, around uh, a little after Memorial Day weekend, there was a humpback whale. I believe, again, it was a juvenile humpback whale, um, another juvenile, another juvenile whale, a juvenile humpback whale that was seen in the Shrewsbury River and it was tangled up in, um, its face was tangled up in fishing net or fishing line. Um, and then also it got hit by um, uh, a recreational vehicle um, as it was coming up for air near the um, Highland Seabright Bridge. There was a boat that was getting into Sand Hook Bay and as the whale was coming up for a breath of air, boom, it just hit its back um, and, and the boat just went on. Um, I don't think the whale was too damaged, but you can never really tell when whales get smacked around by, um, by boats. Oh, my God. So that was, that was, I think that was the first whale um, that got damaged in 2020. And I don't know if we ever found that whale. Uh, actually, Joe, I can offer you some, some good news. Uh, so I was actually out on the water um, with that whale for quite a while. <laughs> and um, it was a bit disoriented, I think, being in the river itself. Um, which, as you can imagine, can be a little bit confusing. It's not very wide of a river. Um, the whale most likely followed some of the uh, bait fish under the bridge and then was a little bit confused. 
Um, we did see the rope on it, um, and we did not see the net right away because it was at the extreme lower portion of its rostrum. So um, typically, uh, the humpback whales don't always lift that area of their mouth above the water, so um, it made it difficult to see it. But what we think happened was that it may have swum through um, either one of one of the pound nets that were in Sandy Hook Bay or some other type of net, um, and it was just loosely, um, loosely around the front of its mouth. We did actually see that whale later on. Um, Gotham Whale actually did. They documented that whale off of, um, I believe it was off Fire Island. So it, it, it made its way out, um, and it was feeding at that time. So that's kind of a good news story. Mm. Uh, so it does appear that that whale um, is going to be okay. Yay! There's other stories, too, about whales um, that are not so pleasant. Um, there was, on Christmas Day, there was a whale that washed up at Barnicket Light State Park. That was another juvenile, a juvenile humpback whale. Um, and I think, in this case, maybe I'm wrong, was it, was it ship strikes that killed that whale or, or not? We could not, unfortunately, due to the condition of the animal, um, we could not do a full necropsy on it. Um, we're not sure. We can't rule out ship strike, um, but we do know that it was in the area. It was seen in the area a few months before that. Um, but the animal did not appear to have eaten in a long time. So it could be, that doesn't mean it wasn't a ship strike. It just means the animal wasn't eating. So um, we don't know for sure. And that's on, you know, in a lot of these cases, we don't get to do a full examination, even when we want to. So, um, so we don't know for sure. But I can tell you that many, many humpback whales over the years in the New Jersey and New York area have been hit by vessels. Um, not only the large vessels, but also smaller recreational vessels. Um, we do see more uh, minor propeller injuries or, or scuff marks, we call them, um, just evidence of being bumped or hit by smaller boats. Um, unfortunately, they're in a very busy area, mm. and, um, you know, it, it's going gonna, it, gonna to happen. Ugh, disgusting. So what can we tell people on boats? to do i mean how do you uh, avoid a whale that um that's a great question so um we're finding that you're most likely to see a humpback whale within about um three to five miles from shore and anywhere in between okay um earlier in the season they tend to feed right in the surf so that's not unusual um, actually, you might remember that earlier this year off of Seaside Park, there was a boat that actually um, a humpback whale landed on top of it because they were both in the same area, um, basically looking for the same thing, and neither one knew the other was there. Um, so that's always a risk. But what I tell people is to just keep your eyes out on the water at all times and look for spouts. Okay, if you see that spout, give yourself a wide berth around that whale. Okay, um, and slow down if you um, if you find that it's closer than 100 yards, slow down immediately. Turn your engine off or put it in neutral. Let the whale pass by you. Um, you don't want to take a chance and speed by that animal because once it goes under the surface, you don't know where it's going to come back up. It could come back up right in front of you. There could be another one that you don't see right in front of you. Um, so the best thing to do is just slow down and keep your eyes out. Just constantly look for those spouts. 
Um, and the reason I say that is because we're seeing more and more humpback whales at the Jersey Shore every single year. It's not showing any signs of slowing down. So this is something that we're going to have to pay attention to for, um, for quite some time. So it's very important to just um, keep your distance, slow down, um, and, uh, you know, just be careful. Thank you for your support. I'm curious, most of the, the whales you see, you said, are humpback whales. But most, yes. most of the humpback whales that you see are juvenile humpback whales, right? Why Correct. is that the case? Well, we don't know yet. Um, this is a relatively new phenomenon. So over the past 10 years, we've seen a steady increase in the number of humpback whales every year. Um, 99% of them are younger animals. Um, They're less than 10 years old. And um, they're smaller, which is another reason to keep an eye out for them. They're not as easy to see as you might think. Um, We're talking about, you know, 25 to 35 foot whales, which is not the size that a lot of people think of when they think of a large whale. Um, but we don't know why um, some juveniles are, are here. It's not that many compared to how many they see on northern feeding grounds. But like I said, it is increasing. So um, we're not sure. We're actively researching that uh, as we speak. Sounds interesting. Now, something that is interesting is that both minke whales and humpback whales are undergoing an unusual mortality event right now. So what that means is that along the Atlantic coast, there have been high levels of mortality in these two species. Um, So the minke whale unusual mortality event in almost all cases seems to be related to, to some type of health problem. So there is a health issue going on with minke whales right now. Um, Now, on the other hand, the humpback whale unusual mortality event is tied very closely to human interactions. So um, in all the whales that could be examined, about 50% of them showed signs of either entanglement or being struck by a vessel. So not related to a health problem. So it's really interesting to see these two events going on with two completely different causes. Sounds interesting. Danielle, you had mentioned um, slowing down boats, uh, which I think is, is a great idea. Uh, I'd like to see it uh, uh, expanded because right now I think NOAA has um, in place places for boats to slow down, primarily protect northern right whales or north Atlantic right whales as they're migrating through the area. But i like to see something like that permanent. Um, and not just voluntary, or just not uh, voluntary for the ship captains, but for mandatory as they're coming into New York Harbor, or even better, as they're coming into the New York Bight, which stretches from Montauk down to Cape May, as they're coming into that area, if your vessel is over a certain size, um, you should be, uh, it should be mandatory for you to slow down 10 or, or 15 knots um, so you're not hitting um, these whales, because uh, I think, in, in the New York, New Jersey area, that is really um, our primary responsibility. These whales are getting smacked around by these boats, these ships, the repellers and whatnot. So the boats need to slow down to protect these whales. Yeah, um, that's, that's a really great point. So um, currently the area outside New York Harbor is considered a seasonal management area for North Atlantic right whales. 
So what this means is that they have designated that area as part of their migratory habitat. Um, so um, what a lot of people don't know is that vessels uh, 65 feet and longer are required to slow down to 10 knots. And that is from November 1st until the end of April, okay? Um, what is interesting, though, is that the increasing numbers of humpback whales that we're seeing are mainly from April through November. So um, we're seeing them completely outside of that seasonal management area designated for North Atlantic right whales. So it doesn't help them so much. Uh, so it is important to look at that and decide if... Um, if there needs to be um, another seasonal management area or some other type of restriction for humpback whales. Now, um, the New York Harbor area is a difficult area for whales. Um, in other parts of the world, they've actually changed or moved the shipping lanes to avoid areas where whales congregate. But in the New York Harbor area, all those shipping lanes have to funnel into one small area. So there's nowhere for those shipping lanes to go. Um, there's not really anywhere for them to be moved. So the best option is really those speed restrictions. Uh, the other issue for humpback whales right now is that in 2016, they were removed from the endangered species list in the United States. So that offers them even less protection. They are still protected under the Marine Mammal Protection Act. But um, as far as being an endangered species, they're no longer considered that. Um, while North Atlantic right whales absolutely are an endangered species. So it's, it's definitely important to have those restrictions in um, where they are. But um, we have to consider what we can do for these humpback whales that, um, that keep coming here. Sounds interesting. Okay, so Daniel, we've talked a lot uh, about depressing things tonight, about dead whales and whatnot. So let's just turn the conversation as we're, we're nearing the end of the podcast. Let's just talk about something fun, a few fun things. So what is the coolest sight of a whale that you've seen in your long history of doing whale watching tours? Oh, boy. Well, um, so I have a couple. Um, I would say, uh, interestingly, all in 2020. Um, 2020, although a a complicated year, a terrible year for a lot of people. Um, for whales, it was a really interesting year for us. Um, we, I mentioned, we do see humpback whales pretty often on our trips, but this was the first year that we saw minke whales and also fin whales so close to shore. Um, we had a fin whale that was feeding a mile and a half off Asbury Park, which was pretty fantastic. I've never seen that before in my life. Uh, we also had a juvenile humpback whale that breached for three hours straight, nonstop, breached out of the water more than 30 times. Wow. Um, over and over and over. And I that was a first for me. It was very, very cool, very exciting. Um, and then the, the epitome of whale watching for me was um, in November we came across a healthy North Atlantic right whale. And that was about um, two miles offshore, off, about two miles off Long Branch. And she was a known female who has had calves in the past. Her name is Platypus. And um, she was headed south. 
So we are anxiously watching every birth announcement of every North Atlantic right whale to see if she was pregnant um, and if she ends up having a calf. So that was um, that was the highlight of the year for me. Yay! All right. Well, we like to thank Danielle for coming out tonight and joining us on the podcast. And also like to thank Samantha. And thanks, everyone, for joining us as well for another edition of Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. I hope you learned or discovered something new, a little bit of information. And please share that little bit of information with family and friends. That's how education works, by sharing with what you discover with others. And for more information, please check out our website, www.savecoastwildlife.org. That's www.savecoastwildlife.org. Dot org. I also want to thank our good friend, Elise Farnsworth, for providing the music for the podcast tonight. And on behalf of all of us here at Save Coast to Wildlife, the podcast, thank you for tuning in and for your support. And remember, the greatest thing you'll ever learn in life is just to love and be loved in return. And now here is your sing-along. swim by look at all the birds up in the sky Saint in the bay what will we find today we gotta save coastal wildlife where the horseshoe crabs and the osprey play save coastal wildlife on the shores and in the bay